Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon. This is Alan Averill. And this may be or may not be another episode of Agitators Anonymous. I'm not entirely sure. This might actually just be bonus content or something. Um, as I feel somewhat compelled, that might be the right word, to try and do a podcast addressing mental health or some mental health issues. The video cast I did with Addy from Solstafere resonated with a lot of people. And even that feels quite a long time ago now. And we all realize that time seems to drag on a little bit longer in these lockdown circumstances than before. And I think one of the reasons for that is because we haven't really got anything to punctuate the days with. At least for a lot of people, this is the truth. Um, a friend of mine made a comment to me that it's like living in a 1980s communist state. Now, that might have been a slight exaggeration, but I did understand what he meant in the sense that the days more or less just become the same thing. And there isn't anything extraordinary to punctuate those days. There's no travel. There's no other excitement. There's nothing of the other to punctuate things other than well, I suppose we just meet and have a beer and make our own entertainment, so to say, make each other laugh at the weekend or whatever you want to say. But it was a salient point, albeit a tiny bit dramatic. But I got it. I got it. And so it got me thinking that and some other news and discussions and chats with people online in real life 
it really seems to me that people are beginning to unravel, unwind. Um, and I felt it myself. Uh, I've addressed it in the podcast. But for the first two months or so, I think um, I coped by my own estimation pretty well with everything. I was doing a lot of running. Uh, the podcast was up and running. Um, both of which are things I'm still doing. But um, my mental state in relation to them, especially the running, uh, has changed a bit. And so I thought what I would do is, as we seem to be still searching through the fog of this situation, um, and people realize that the end they thought was in sight, whether it might be, oh, we'll be back to normal by the summer, or by September, or whatever else, that those lines they had in the sand have become, well, they've sort of been washed away one by one in a an uncertain, um, in a moments of uh, explicit uncertainty. I thought of what I would do is just write down a, a few words and try and address how we could do several things to maybe benefit our mental health. Now, for people who know me, they might find this unusual because I'm not known to be the most hmm, empathetic or sympathetic person, I suppose. Um, at least not in a at least not in an, uh, an explicit display of emotion or an emotional sense. That's not my style. Uh, like I said before, I very much admire stoicism and dispassionate analysis of situations. And so maybe on those terms, this suits me. The fact that I can try and explain some of these personal or emotional things that might be of some benefit to people, but in this abstract sense, which is me um, staring at the wall ahead of me, uh, speaking in an empty in an empty room, trying to convey some messages that maybe you might find useful. So, let me just go through a few ideas of things. Maybe you're feeling bogged down. Maybe you're feeling um, like you need some um, illumination, some advice, some. Sometimes it can just be a couple of words that make sense that maybe you haven't thought about. And seeing, as I said, as our governments and institutions of the state are very much confusing the issues, um, and I think deliberately so, um, making their way through misinformation in order to really keep you, um, well, to try and make you stay at home. I mean, in no uncertain terms. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So let's see, take a few words and see what we can consider about them in relation to our mental health. Now, the first thing is that, and I said it at the end of the podcast, uh, that's, well, I mean, it's to come out this Friday. I'm doing this as a sort of a bonus podcast. But one is that, one is that at the beginning of this, when this first happened, I really did feel... Um, that there was a relative coming together of society in that people were observing the lockdown, they were observing and respecting the idea of something, the, the principle of something. Then there was an element of communality to um, how people were behaving that was positive to behold in a society where we were constantly told about how fractious and um, divided it was to see people respect this 
um, invisible sense of community, which is what the virus represented, an invisible threat, so to speak, um, to see them react in a positive way, I thought was um, a, a good sign. And then that slowly deteriorated as we moved on several months and people realized the state of their unemployment. They literally got hot and bothered, angered and frustrated. And let's just cut to the chase. The main reason for that is just the fact that we are living in front of a screen. Very many of us are spending even more time in front of the screen. And if you've never thought about these things before and you just absorb, most people absorb their media or their news through Twitter, um, through a handful of sites that are literally chosen for them. So maybe you've never thought about this before. I'm sure you have. If you've heard me talk about this, um, you will know the word algorithm. Algorithm. But your algorithm is basically what you input into your online living. I mean, your online living is curating your own life for you, so to speak. And if you're taking in angry, outraged, violent, aggressive imagery and information constantly, constantly be told about how the far right are doing this or the far left are doing that, or Twitter is designed to entrap you in that sense of outrage because you click more when you're outraged, you share more when you're outraged, maybe you purchase more. There's all these, all of these things are held in place by a marketing concept, a marketing algorithm. And it's designed to keep you consuming through fear and consuming fear, consuming anger. So first things first, I would say, really address the amount of time that you're trying to spend or you're spending on social media. If you're logging onto Twitter every day to see what the feds are doing in Portland and what the other side is doing, what the Antifa are doing or whatever else it is, understand that the algorithm itself, which is cross-platformed, cross-platformed, it's designed to know it's it's taking in everything from everything that you're talking about. Even your phone, look, let's be honest, is listening to you to curate advertising for you and other more nefarious purposes, no doubt. Well, I mean, look, we don't even have to doubt that, really. But think about all of the things that you're inputting into your online life and how the algorithm, the bot or whatever you want to call it, is working out. How can I how can I design myself so this person will spend more time in front of me? And on those terms, as I said before in the podcast, moderate man says reasonable thing doesn't get any airtime. It doesn't get any space because the algorithm looks at that and goes, well, that isn't very juicy. That isn't very saucy. How how am I going to keep my um, how am I going to keep my subject at the wheel, you know? And so really think about all of the things you're searching for and maybe go onto your Twitter and begin to delete some of the angry talking heads who are manipulating the algorithm, who are feeding you stuff that's making you crazy, making you angry, because I think that we're at the end of a 10-year cycle of social media derangement. We've actually, it's fried our brains. We've become more or less deranged, waking up in the middle of the night thinking about posts that are making you angry, dreaming about responses, waking up. And I've been there before. It's why I deleted my own personal Twitter. It's why I stopped arguing about politics on my Facebook, because it's really like slinging shit into a sewer and it does you no good. And the reality is that we are living 
at least here in my city, street to street, there isn't that much difference day to day, as I said, um, at the outset of this. And we aren't traveling. We aren't seeing how the rest of the world is. We're literally being fed the news in the mainstream media information through our screen. And so if the if the algorithm knows that it doesn't want, let's put it plainly, it doesn't want you in a good mood. It doesn't want you just dipping in, taking your information and going, oh, okay. So what I would really recommend is really questioning where your news sources are coming from. Now, I know that, as I said at the end of the last podcast, is that you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. And that the and I'm, what I mean by that is that the concept of journalism as we knew it has been uh, taken over by ideologues, by people, by the blogosphere, by people who never expected to make a living from it. Um, it's a similar thing to some things in the music industry, etc. So be aware that most news is either journalism, as in cut and paste journalism, or their opinion pieces based around ideologies, because that's the common narrative now. But those common narratives are designed to play you. They're designed to not give you information. They very often leave out salient parts. They're not impartial. So really address where you're getting your information from. If you've just bought a phone and it's already programmed in where you get your information from, question that. Also maybe try and restrict the hours that you spend. Um, try and stop arguing online. Try and stop clicking and debating and being furious. And remember that every hashtag you use, every Instagram story, story, every even the blackouts, everything like this, they feed the algorithm of the platforms and they make those platforms and those companies money. So your your conditional outrage um, is not really it's it's not really conditional, so to speak, in that it's you're being perfectly played and curated. And I include myself within this because obviously I spend a lot of time online as well. Um, it's just my pessimistic nature has had me thinking about many of these things for, well, decades, really, about the systems of manipulation. So maybe consider how many hours you're spending in front of these things and try and cut out the Twitter, cut, cut out the arguing and try and cut out the hyperbole and the noise because what the internet does or what any of this does is it rewards the loudest people in the room and we know we know from being in a room full of loud people that those aren't necessarily the people who think clearly and succinctly about what they're going to say they're the people who dominate the room and that's what the algorithm has rewarded and so on those terms it rewards very often the worst parts of human nature because those are the most they're the loudest the most dominant as i said moderate woman says reasonable thing logical thing who reads that story the answer is not many so we need to try and place ourselves in the middle of that and reject the constant um, reject the constant move by these platforms to outrages that's the first thing is to look at how many hours you're spending on things. Now, I'm going to go through a couple of words here. So um, agency, I keep using this word all the time. It's my new favorite word. Agency is 
um, your movement through the world. Now, as a musician who goes, this could be when you arrive at the airport in the morning, you, you, your whole agency, everything from the flights that you've taken to the attendants to when you arrive, there's a driver to collect you. You go to a hotel, you stay in a hotel, the gig, the lighting uh, people, the crew, the sound people, the caterers, the bouncers, the people working at the bar, not to mention the people coming to the gig, the ticket um, people are selling the tickets like there's a, that that's the that's your agency that's being at least personally as a musician that's being created by what I've created and so it's your movement in the world now this is a very complicated complicated thing to try and understand because right now we have literally no agency as in the things we knew the structures and platforms we knew in within which to engage the world as in the stone dropping in the pool and the ripple effect are more or less gone and this is what I struggle with most. I struggle with the fact that all of your sense of agency is or has been removed. Now, this is something we have to find a way of replacing. This is something that I've been struggling with. How do you replace that level of agency? Now, I'm not sure that you can, especially when you're not really supposed to travel. How do you find these things within the confines of the city or the country that you're in. At least if you're on the European mainland, you know you can get in a car and drive from Austria to Switzerland to Germany to wherever if you want to. However, being on an island is a little bit more difficult. So on those terms, um, and we can add the word purpose to this. There are many people who are feeling purposelessness. I have said before that the struggle of the new working class is going to be going from used to useless. And this is the, going to be the profound um, struggle of the 21st century. But agency and purpose, how do we do that? How do we use those two things to deal with our mental health? So the podcast, for example, was a way I tried to deal with the lack of purpose and agency by creating some other platform for which to at least um, put my thoughts across, engage with other people. Now, it's not perfect and it's not even 10 or 20 percent of the sense of achievement that gigs and playing live gave you. But it is something. So if you're struggling with agency and purpose, you really need to sit down and maybe think about, for example, what were your hobbies or what were your interests before you got caught up in your career, which maybe your career is now over. Maybe maybe you need to do you to paint to, I don't know, write bad poetry. Maybe you need to do meditation. You need to do yoga. Maybe you need to do Mai Tai. Maybe you need to do jujitsu. The fact is we're going to have to try and find some sort of internal calm at a time where we can't have external. Um, there isn't the same external benefits that we used to have because we're confined. We're confined to a much smaller space of living. So... All I could say is try and spend less time at the screen, but try and find a new agency and purpose that maybe isn't connected to the screen. The thing, one of the things that's been saving me is going back to playing football, actual football matches, because for that moment where you're in that hour, you're forgetting about all of the other stuff that's happening. And it's also tied up with, and I find this very important, it's tied up with, um, for me, I'm quite competitive. So there's a sense of victory, of winning. And there's an element to what's happening now when nobody's really talking about that. And that is an element of how your masculinity is tied up in your agency and purpose. Now, as a man, of course, that's something that's important to me. So, you know, 
I can talk about that. And that is that when you have no sense of achievement, and believe me, the sense of achievement when you've come back from a weekend of playing shows um, to lots of people where your agency has been um, has come to fruition for all of the people involved in every night where that that, that, that sense, that A-team sense of having pulled off the, the heist is an incredible sense of victory, of winning, of achievement. And when all of that agency is taken from you, that is a very great mental strain. Now, this is not something necessarily that maybe applies to all people, but definitely for me, it's very important because there is an overwhelming sense of anger and rage and testosterone and frustration that I see rising naturally through these strange circumstances because of the fact that you have no agency and purpose. And how do you deal with that? Now, speaking to a friend of mine, he's been getting super into Mai Tai and training and trying to put his body totally into that. I would recommend that for anyone. Um, to try and have some sort of space where you go, okay, this morning I do my stretches now, then I'm going to walk to here. In the evening, I'll try and run. Listen, even if you're not into running, take take it for 15 minutes. Try and run two kilometers and slowly add 0 0.3, 0 0.5 a kilometer every day or every other day. And before you know it, I found myself running 13, 14 kilometers not so long ago. And if you and, and even if I play a football match, I put the little... Uh, even if I carry my phone in my pocket, I can see I run 10 or over 10 kilometers. And this exercise is the most natural thing for clearing the brain of all of this negativity, of all this pessimism, you know. And for somebody who's traded in two of those words <laughs> musically for such a long time, that might sound like a strange concept that I might be lecturing about <laughs> pessimism or negativity. Not lecturing is the wrong word, but trying to figure out how to deal with these things sport has to be or exercise has to be a way now i do admit that getting back playing football playing a team sport is really important because people rely on you they rely on you to show up it's easy to flake and go oh, i don't want to go outside it's raining or oh i'm too depressed to get on the bus and do public transport but you're letting other people down now that's the importance of team sport is that people are relying on you and they're also relying on you to um, show up to show up and be committed to show up and respect the fact that you've been picked for that team or whatever else and that just not you know just flaking on everything is going to let everyone else down and I think that this is very important to be a link in a chain not just that but the banter the chat uh, the lads I play football with you know it they the football teams have changed over the years but there is a sense of camaraderie which is very important at a time like this so if you're not playing any sport or you're not doing any exercise this is the main key to trying to preserve your mental health um, and I would recommend trying to join a sport even if you're useless it doesn't matter even if you're having problems with your weight or whatever try and join something whereby you're encouraged by people and I think that there's a terrible misconception among people who don't play sport that the changing room well even though you're not allowed in the changing room right now but that it's a boys club or a, a girls club or a, you know specifically a boys club or whatever but this is untrue and this is a myth perpetrated I think by sections of society who want to portray somehow keeping fit or the gym or exercise as a pejorative, as a negative. Now, I don't really want to get into that or why that is, but nothing could be further from the truth. Sport is the thing that brings people together. 
And if you aren't playing on a team, join a team, anything. Even if you're useless, it doesn't matter. You can find something at your level. Um, this is the most important key. Even if you, you can even do exercise, of course, at home, buy a cheap yoga mat, we'll go in line in the morning at 11 before you turn on the internet, get your coffee and put the yoga mat and do online yoga on YouTube with somebody or other who's no doubt, uh, you know, um, gorgeous and beautiful and inspiring or whatever else or whatever, loathsome. Either way, that's an important thing to try and do. That's the main thing I would think. And as somebody who's always suffered from uh, depression or whatever, uh, at least once or twice a year, but usually it takes two to four weeks of that sort of feeling of, um, well, it's, you know, difficult, difficult to motivate yourself. But I've always tried to maintain the discipline of always running or going to the gym or trying to be creative or trying to write songs. You know, writing songs has never been the most natural thing in the world to me. Um, unlike other people I know who are just gifted musicians, you, some of us have to really, really work at that skill. And it's not just skill, it's a mixture of that and also discipline, or at least just flinging your inadequacies at it and bringing them up, upscaling yourself, moving them up, moving your agency, you know, like grinding through the gears a little bit quicker. And once you find that you can, you can have the motor running at a six out of 10, you can add to these other things. I often think of these things in mathematical terms, probably because I'm on the spectrum somewhere. But I think of things very much like, um, how did you play during that game? Was it a 6.5 or 7? How is your mood? How is your all of these things? I tend to think like that about everything. So these, this, these things are all linked. And if you can find a way um, to deal with those through sport, through keeping fit. The second thing, of course, is diet. I mean, look, realistically, what you put in your body, what you put into the engine is going to change how your mood is. So if the way to cope with lockdown has been a lot of booze, um, then, of course, booze is a natural depressant. And that's going to come out. That's going to come out in your mood two to three days later. I see this in myself. I drink. And so if I if I hit it hard Saturday, Monday and Tuesday, yeah, it's you're going to be you're going to be gloomy if you do drugs. And that's been an outlet, which I also understand, because sometimes you just want you just want to um, let loose and cut loose a little bit. I get it. But remember that those things, you're going to have to take them on the chin. Only now taking them on the chin is more profound because maybe you have no job. Maybe you have less sense of agency and purpose. So consider how all these things are linked and that if you are going to take the booze, take it on the chin, but try and make sure that even if you feel like you can't on the Monday to go out and maybe like maybe half run, slow jog, something anyway to get your endorphins moving and see how these things are all linked. The, the answer is not to spend hours flicking through YouTube and Twitter and just reading hateful and outrageous comments. And let's be honest, an awful lot of, we have to acknowledge the fact that an awful lot of the things we're primed with online are going to be bots themselves. The fact that we can think Russia, um, you know, that people can consider Russia, uh, you know, uh, tempered in the, or, uh, you know, tried to sabotage the election but yet then isn't somehow behind levels of socially media generated outrage is kind of naive you know very often think that maybe the person that's that's driving you insane online they're arguing with maybe isn't real 
And on those terms, you know, maybe your outrage isn't real either. And you should reconsider that. So those are the things that you can do, especially diet, especially exercise, running, sport, trying to get out from, um, get out of online and realize that, you know, um, having someone rely on you to be part of a chain, a link in a chain is very important. Now, it's, this all sounds kind of like self-help nonsense. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Um, but these are the things that I think we need to try and do to try and address our mental health is find a purpose. For me, this is the most difficult thing I've been trying to arrange because we have to acknowledge the fact that if we're all going to be on the welfare or universal basic income, this is going to make us betrothed to the uh, surveillance ideologies of whatever state or uh, your inhabitant of. At least that's my. Now you may say, ah, well, Alan, you're, that's a that's an idea. That's an idea that's being curated by your own algorithm. Now that may very well be true. So, in a sense, if we are going to be, if we are going to acknowledge how we view the world, um, we will have to box clever about it and wax lyrical about it in the sense that be able to acknowledge how we might have been played ourselves. And so therefore, the idea of second guessing your outrage as maybe being I divided into percentages, like how much of this is real, how much of this is not real, and to try and analyze most things to realize that they are not black and white, that they're a gray issue, and that they're 50 shades of gray or 100 shades of gray or 200 shades of gray. And that in reality, the sexy black and white outraged or angry or emotional answer is not real or not true. And we carry these into our private life, into our personal life with the people that we love, with the people that are around us, the people that we have relationships with. We carry this anger into it. And so it's just making for an even more fractious, angry society. And based on what? That's, anyway, that's a rather more existential question. So those are the things that I think that we can do initially. Also being creative is very important. Um, buy a cheap guitar in your second in a secondhand store around the corner from you. Try and learn, um, and give yourself some more some sense of achievement. Many people are talking to me about meditation, um, or going back to um, the interests we had when we were teenagers or twenty somethings when we were maybe a bit more um, spiritual about the world. Some people have told me they're going back to studying occultism. This also makes sense to me, and I found that doing the Crowley podcasts. Um, reading back through my old books revealed some interesting things that maybe I hadn't thought about in 20 years. That can be interesting. Maybe there was a ho- maybe you wanted to do filmmaking. I don't know. Maybe begin to start edit little movies. There's got to be some way you can deal with this creatively and um, try and find a sense of purpose and achievement in the midst of all this craziness and acknowledge um the news media cycle for what it is and that it's designed and curated only on those terms. So there are things that other people, that some people don't really want to talk about that, which is, um, it's also something that is wrapped up in agency and purpose. Of course, your identity, for me, my identity is wrapped up in the band and that line in the sand has been crossed many, many years ago or blurred out. And for people who have kids and for people who have a family life, that also is their sense of identity. Um, so maybe for them it's less wrapped up in it, but um, for good or bad, this is where we are now. And so trying to come to terms with the fact that um, your identity has changed and that you have 
less, well, you have less power in the world. This is a very, well, it's a disempowering thing. And this is one of the reasons why I think many people are turning towards politics for their sense of winning. And I think that's what an awful lot of things are. They aren't about equity or equality or fairness or whatever ideological um, opinions. They're about winning. They're about that sense of that um, atavistic, animalistic sense that comes from a mob rule or comes from that sense of victory or winning. Um, and I think that that has been curated into a very negative thing by modern, the modern political algorithm. So there is your sense of power. You've got to find a different way to find this, tap into the sense of power. And that may be sport or that may be something like this might be the answer. Or maybe you set yourself a goal. I'm going to lose a stone in six weeks or something like this. Or you need to try and set yourself goals or else every day begins to look the same. And sometime you hit the booze an hour earlier or whatever else. Or comfort eating or whatever is you found to be the thing that gives you the endorphin rush. Um, so you've got to try and change those things and be aware of all of those things. And the reality is this... I keep hearing the word new normal and it's, I've come to resent it deeply, but this is the reality is this, we may be living through a pivotal time in the process of human history and that nothing may quite be the same. And what society comes out of this, we still remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. But I think that we have to be cognizant or aware of the parameters of it or the influencers of it or the, or the fakeness of it or how if we take, you know, how taking in some shaped and manipulated angry piece of information from the other side of the world within three seconds after it's happening or in live real time or whatever, what good does that realistically do to you in your life? Um, bad things happened in the world before you knew about them instantly. Um, now, my worldview was always pretty dark to begin with anyway, so none things don't really surprise me. They don't really make me particularly sad or emotional because um, having spent an awful lot of time immersed in the rather dark uh, elements of human history, for example, I'm at the moment writing pages and pages of notes about the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. <clears throat> I went to visit the killing fields. Um, like I said, in my idea of my idea of hell is sitting on a beach, um, just, I don't know, drinking pina colada by the pool. I want to do death tourism. That's just what interests me. So I have no interest in all those other things. And that's so my worldview is a little bit different. And so studying the Khmer Rouge, Pol Pot, um, you know, a Marxist revolution that killed about two million people. I've been to, I've been there, see where they smashed baby skulls open on uh, tree stumps and all those kind of stuff. So what am I talking about? Rambling now. Anyway, the point was that um, you, you, we don't need to be machines that only take in this kind of thing. For somebody like me who's always been interested in that, okay, so that's my wheelhouse of interest. But for many people, they they're, it's not within their emotional makeup to take in this much information, this much negative information. Our lizard brains are just being broken by so much information and also this incredible feeling of helplessness that 
where we're being constantly told, look at this, look at this, look at this, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then we become helpless and frustrated and think to ourselves, well, I, I have to go out in the street and do something. But then at the same time, the contradiction of going out on the street to protest while in the middle of the greatest pandemic in living memory um, and therefore putting people at risk is, you know, it's a kind of hypocritical move. But I want to understand on some emotional terms. Anyway, what am I talking about? Agency, purpose, identity, anger, helplessness, what we can do, dealing with our lack of power and agency in the world, how to deal with this new reality and how to try and conquer our negative impulses um, and depression. And like I said, those main, the main things within that, within that are sport, keeping fit, diet and trying to find an agency or purpose or trying to make peace with finding simple joy. For me, this last part is the most difficult um, and something I've been struggling immensely with. But right now, I'm just about to strap on the shin pads and put on the football bo boots and go out and play football and kick a ball around with other people who are struggling with their own things and they're relying on me. You're a link in a chain, banter, a sense of competitiveness, all of these things. That's a way of coping. Anyway, what am I talking about? Who knew that I'd be sitting here in an empty room trying to give some form of mental health advice? But I sense very greatly that lots of people are cracking up. So if any of that helped you, well, um, that's great. And that's very important. And I think that we need to try and strip back the layers of the, you know, the layers of the algorithm and our curated anger and frustration. Not to say that there aren't things to be angry and frustrated about, but we can't let them manipulate our lives completely. All right. Is that an episode of the podcast? No, I don't think so. I think I'll just throw this as a, a bonus podcast um, and give me your feedback. If you think any of that makes sense, let me know. If you think there's something else I should be talking about, let me know. But like I said, try and get out there. Try and get out. Do do two kilometers today. Do two and a half in three days. Buy a cheap guitar. Try and learn a few chords. Try and build something. Try and get out of the city. Try and go on a hike. Try and get out of the confines of suburbia. Try and get out of the city. And consider the city also as a euphemism for being online, being in front of a screen all of the time. Try and find another way, a remedy, something creative to deal with it. So try and maybe do something working with your hands where you're able to forget whatever the algorithm has created for you. You know what I mean. Um, write some awful poetry, read a book, do something like this and try and create a little bit of simple joy for yourself. I'm trying it. It ain't easy. Anyway, Alan Averill, over and out. Take care of yourselves. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.